Well, praise the Lord. Uh, so good to be here uh, again here, sharing with you God's word. And uh, tonight, uh, we'd like to continue our minister series uh, in the book of Genesis. And um, of course, last week we didn't uh, uh, hear a word from the book of Genesis, but uh, we will continue tonight. And so tonight, if you don't have an outline, can you raise up your hand and uh, maybe we have extras, you can get one. Okay, so tonight, uh, the title of this message is The Process of Maturity. And uh, I understand that with this matter of maturity, surely um, tonight we'd like to see an illustration of this process in the life of Jacob. And uh, you know, the life of Jacob, um, when we begin to see the process of his maturity, surely it was at the end of his life, towards uh, the latter years of his life. But I don't think it's too early for us young uh, students <laughs> to hear such a word. Uh, we have some direction when we hear such a word. We know what is our goal. What is God after? And because we know what God is after, then we will give ourselves to the Lord to cooperate for the accomplishment of his eternal purpose. So with that said, I'd like to just share just a brief word here regarding the book of Genesis. The book of Genesis is uh, filled with many generations, many uh, uh, biographies of people. And it begins with Adam and it ends with Jacob and Joseph. And through the whole span of all these biographies in the book of Genesis, we see that God wants to show us only one thing in the whole universe. And that is that he wants an expression of himself. He wants an expression of himself through a corporate man. So we need to be impressed that this is what is in God's heart. This is his desire. He wants a corporate expression of himself through man. So with that said, Roman number one, how about we all read it together? God's, God's eternal purpose and the only thing And how about uh, we read Colossians 1.28 together? Whom we announce, admonishing every man and teaching every man in all wisdom, that we may present every man full world in Christ. So with Jacob uh, as the context of this point here, we can see that Jacob, um, his father, forefather, Abraham, was part of the called race. God had called him so that he could fulfill God's purpose. And then Abraham had Isaac, and then Isaac had Jacob. And with Jacob, we see that this man, in order for the Lord to gain him so that God could fully express himself through him, we have to be impressed that Jacob, the way he began in Genesis 25, you might, if you read that account of his life, you might think, you might scratch your, your head and kind of think, man, is this guy, can God really use this guy to fulfill his eternal purpose? Let me just give you a little glimpse. He was in the womb of his mother, right? And his son Esau, they were both in there. And guess what? 
Jacob ended up grabbing his, uh, his brother's heel, and he was trying to pull him back inside his mother's womb so that he can come out first. Okay, that's Jacob. Then, after they're born, well, first of all, Esau was born first, and Jacob second. Well, as if you, you, you would have thought he would have forgotten about him trying to come out first, later on, as a son, older son, he's grown now, Guess what? He then knows that his brother has the birthright. That is that he was going to be the one that was going to inherit a double portion of the land. And he was going to receive the priesthood and the kingship. And you know what? He did something kind of uh, to maneuver in buying that from him. And he knew that Esau, uh, after he went hunting, he knew that Esau was going to be hungry. And guess what? He made a soup, a lentil soup. And then when his brother came back from hunting, surely Jacob knew that his brother was hungry. And his brother asked him, can I have some of that soup? I mean, right, you would understand if your sibling asked you for something, you would just give it to him, right? Not Jacob. <laughs> Jacob said, yeah. I'll give you some if you give me your birthright. <laughs> Basically, he was selling him a bowl of soup yeah. for the birthright. Do you think this kind of person, God could have, I mean, again, was God in his right mind? How could he choose such a person? <laughs> he deceived, I mean, he really tricked his brother. Okay, now, that birthright needed to be, be blessed by their father Isaac. So they're still needed, they're still needed, uh, he, uh, Jacob still needed Isaac's blessing. And so because Isaac actually had grown old and his vision had become dim, guess what Jacob went to do? <laughs> Through his mom's kind of help there, mom's favorite son, which was Jacob, and Esau's was, Jacob, Jacob's uh, favorite son was Esau, eventually he uh, tricked his father into thinking that he was Esau. And basically, Jacob blessed him blindly. He kind of just, it's kind of like, you know, he just, just to fill in this little story, Esau was a hairy man, and Jacob was a smooth man. And so because his father was blind, with his mom's, with his mom's help, he came and he put a skin's coat on his arms and around the smooth parts of his area. And he basically came and he had told Jacob that he was Esau, which by the way, Jacob was waiting for Esau because Jacob had asked him, go and hunt for me uh, something so that you can prepare a meal for me. And when you come back, I'm gonna bless you. Well, <laughs> Jacob, because through mom, he heard this, he eventually got, and he got blessed by Jacob. Again, he used deception. Again, we have to be impressed that this was the kind of person that God had chosen for his eternal purpose. Okay, so what this shows is that Jacob in Genesis 27, he's a supplanter, right? He is just supplanting everyone, right? No one could beat him. No one could supplant him, right? 
And then this is why we have to see and we need to be impressed that God needed to come in and transform this Jacob. He needed to come in and bring him in through a process of transformation so that eventually he can reach the, matter, uh, the stage of maturity, right? So in the New Testament, the Apostle Paul, he also has the same thought. In order for us to fulfill God's eternal purpose, in Colossians 1.28, it said that he admonished every man, teaching every man in all wisdom, so that what? He may present every man what? Full grown in Christ. You can highlight that or underline that. Full grown in Christ. Okay? With us, this matter of transformation began when we were regenerated. How many have been regenerated? What does that mean? Well, in addition to the Lord justifying us and redeeming us from our sins, guess what? He's added his life into us. And this life is now in our spirit, but this life now needs to come in and transform our natural life, right? So for this, we need to be in this process of transformation, right? Um, how about we read Roman numeral two together? And then how about we read uh, Romans 8, 28 together? And we know... Okay, just a little background regarding uh, Jacob here in Genesis 37. I'd like to read you something that happened to him. So remember in Genesis 25, he's supplanting his brother. He's deceiving his father so that he can receive the birthright. But now in Genesis 37, uh, right before Genesis 37, Jacob lost his wife, Rachel. Okay? But there's no account that he had mourned or how much he had mourned over Rachel. Then chapter 37 comes, and guess what happens? His brothers, because they were jealous of, J of Joseph, because his father loved him so much, uh, they eventually sold him to, they sold him, and uh, they came, and let me read you these verses real quick. Then they took Joseph's coat and slaughtered a male goat and dipped the coat in the blood. And they sent the coat of many colors and had it brought to their father and said, We found this. Please examine it and see if it's your son's coat or not. And he recognized it. And look at what his response was in verse 34. And Jacob tore his garments and put sackcloth upon his loins and mourned for his son many days. And all his sons and all his daughters rose up to comfort him. But he refused to be comforted and said, Surely I will go down to shield to my son mourning. Thus his father wept for him. From this, we see that something happened in Jacob's life, sovereignly arranged by God. 
he lost his son Joseph. Surely it was uh, his brothers that sold him actually to Egypt, to the Ishmaelites and the Midianites. And eventually Joseph got taken uh, to Egypt. But during that period of time, from the time that he got sold until eventually Jacob did see his son again, about 20 years passed by. Imagine that. He didn't see his son for 20 years. Right? What do you think he was experiencing during this time? Right? We'd have to say that during this time, the Bible doesn't register anything, what happened during this time. But we have to believe that he was having a lot of fellowship with the Lord. Surely in his heart, he treasured Joseph. But now the treasure of his heart was taken away. You could say that there was now this empty vacuum in his heart. And he needed that space to be filled. And the only one that could fill him was El Shaddai, the all-sufficient God. It was only through a lot of transactions with the Lord that he could even begun, begin to be healed. <laughs> but in, more importantly, he was being filled with God himself. So we have to see that it was through this process that he began the process of maturity. And it was through this process that um, eventually, when we reach Genesis 47 and he sees his son again, you would have thought, as a father, after I've, let's say we didn't see, I didn't see my son for 20 years, and then at, after 20 years, I'm just jumping, ah, my son. I would be so ecstatic. I would be so happy, right, to see my son. But you know, with Jacob, it was not so. He was a different person. You know what he ended up doing? He ended up blessing eventually Pharaoh, the leader of Egypt. What do we see here? We see again a person that has been brought through the process of maturity. And he was a person that was now filled with the divine life, right? And um, I would say, like, for our application, surely this is, again, Jacob in his latter years, right? And something sovereignly had happened. Uh, the treasure of his heart was taken away, his son. Well, you know, this verse that we just read in Romans 8.28, it says that all things work together for good. We have to circle all things, all things. Surely this was a big thing that happened to Jacob. But you know what? There's a lot of little things that happen to us in our lives. That's why I have Zechariah 4.10. It says, for who has despised the day of small things? You know, there's a lot of little things that happen, right? Like just coming here, I was a little late, apologize. <laughs> but I was running late because I have three children. And guess what? A lot of little things happen. <laughs> a lot of things happen. And let me tell you, there's a lot to say that happened between 4.30 and right now. <laughs> and you know what? 
It's these opportunities that the Lord wants to use to gain us. Surely you have a lot of little things that happen to you during your day, right? And it's those little opportunities that the Lord wants to use to gain us, to dispense his life into us, right? So um, how about we now we go on to Roman numeral three. And this is kind of like the definition of maturity, right? How about we read it? To be matured. And then Hebrews 6 1 together. So, with this point, we see that to be matured is to be filled with the divine life. So, with transformation, the key word is it's a metabolic change that's happening. That is, our natural life is changing from our natural life to being filled with the life. That's the process of transformation. But with maturity, it actually means to be filled with the divine life that changes us. That means that there is a life that's overflowing, that is just overflowing to the brim. And this life, when it overflows, guess what? It blesses. It blesses. You know how we sometimes can bless others? By bringing Christ to them. When we are enjoying the Lord... You know what? By reading the word, by being in the fellowship with the brothers and sisters, by being in the homes of the older brothers and sisters, enjoying their fellowship, we come out of there different. We come out, we, we, we are different when we read the word. We are different when we are in this uh, small group fellowship, right? And guess what? There's something that has filled us. So on the one hand, it's filled us. But when it begins to overflow into others... That is blessing. Do you believe that a lot of your peers, a lot of your classmates need to be blessed? They do, right? And so with Jacob, we see that eventually, like I had stated earlier, you know, from the time that he lost his son until eventually he went through that period where they were in a famine and they had to go to Egypt to buy food. And lo and behold, they see that it's their youngest brother that's in the position of, 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 of administrating all the, 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 the food in Egypt. From that period, 20 years passed by. And it's during those 20 years, after those 20 years, that eventually uh, uh, we see Jacob was a person that had reached a a maturity in life in which he blessed both Pharaoh and eventually the way he ended his life is by blessing his 12 sons. So we have to be impressed how Jacob ended. He ended full of life, fully matured, expressing God fully, right? And um, I would just like to comment with this uh, little word regarding coming back to us as students. Well, I'm not a student, but you are a student. You know, with maturity, it takes time, right? It takes time. And we should just, 
as we are going through our days, the, one of the best things that we can do is just cooperate with the Lord over all the little things that happen in our lives. When we cooperate with the Lord, you know what? We are actually cooperating for the fulfillment of his eternal purpose. That means that the Lord is gaining a group of people that can express him on this campus. But he does this by us turning to him, right? So that leads us to the last point here. How about we read together Roman numeral four? Maturity. How about brothers John 10:10? 10, 10? The thief does not come except to steal and kill and destroy. I have come that they may have life and they have <coughs> So in this point, um, I like this part where it says that maturity is a matter of having the divine life imparted into us. How many times? Again and again, until we have the fullness of life. And you know what? That's going to take the rest of our lives, right? So just stay in the process of what? Of just receiving the divine life again and again. This next point, how about we read it together? I'd like to, these next three points is just a little bit of application. How can we enjoy the divine life again and again? Number one, how about sisters read that? And the verse 2. I really like this verse because this is the last, basically the last verse in the book of John. And just consider this for a moment. Here's John. He has just written all these chapters regarding how, how the Lord changes our death into life and how that life is for God's building. All these accounts of how the Lord does this. And then he comes to this verse and he says, all these things have been written. All of these past 20 chapters have been written. They have been written so that what? You may believe that Jesus Christ is what? The Son of God. And that believing, you may have what? Life and what? In his name. So when we call Lord Jesus, guess what we receive? Life. This is what we need. We need to be those who call on the name of the Lord. Right? How about brothers, number two? By enjoying the word as spirit and life. The verse. It is the spirit who gives life. The flesh profits nothing. The words which I have spoken to you are spirit and are life. I really like this verse because if you want to circle, you can say, it is the spirit who gives life, right? But then he goes on to say, the words which I have spoken to you are what? Our spirit and our life. So you know how we receive the spirit and how we receive the life? By enjoying the word. I really appreciate it. I heard there is a few students that meet in the mornings to read a chapter of the New Testament schedule. And after they read it, you know what they do? They choose a few verses and they pray over those verses. How about that? 
How about being revived in the mornings with the spirit and the life? The spirit and life that come from God's word. So when we touch the Bible, even this week's lesson is on reading the Bible. It's for what? Our growth. And then what is it? We receive the what? The divine what? Provision. And then number three, what is it? By contacting the living person of Christ. And then number four, what? By turning our heart to the Lord. Surely all these points are applicable to when we read the word, right? So when we read the word, guess what? We receive spirit and we receive life. But I really like what these brothers are doing. They're choosing a few verses and they're praying over those verses. I hope a number of us can pick up this example, this pattern, and practice this throughout, throughout the course of the week and be a people that are filled with life, right? Next one. How about all together? By praying for one another. And together, Philippians 1.19. And the next verse too, Colossians 4.12, Epaphras. I'd like to just comment on Colossians 4.12 for time's sake. But I really enjoyed this verse a lot because it says here, Epaphras, a slave of Christ Jesus greets you, always struggling, what? On your behalf in prayers. And then what is he praying for? Look at the verse. That you may what? So it wasn't just a general prayer. It was a very particular prayer. That we would stand what? Mature. Mature in what? In the divine life. And I know that a number of us also have gone into the homes of a lot of brothers and sisters, older brothers and sisters. And let me tell you something about this. When you get into their homes, I know that maybe we just thinking, we're thinking that we're coming into a physical home and then we're just going to enjoy some food and maybe just a little bit of fellowship or a little bit of chat. But let me tell you what really happens. When you walk in through those doors, you know what's actually happening to those people, the host of that home? You're actually getting into their hearts. And let me tell you, when you get into their hearts, you know what they do? They pray for you. They pray for your maturity in life. I know this firsthand. There was a couple, he was a car mechanic and his wife was the secretary. And I brought some students. Every Friday, we would go there. Every Friday, she would cook the meal for them, for me too. And we would just enjoy singing. One day, I go and visit them at their shop because I needed some service in my car. And the sister, the wife, she tells me, Brother Isai, last night I could not sleep. And I go, why, sister? And she goes, last night the Lord woke me up at 2 in the morning. 
and I started praying for those brothers that come to our home meeting. I was just praying, Lord, strengthen them into their inner man. Amen. Make your home in their hearts. Yeah. Lord, give them life as they're taking their exams. Yeah. If you would have seen her expression, her burden, she was just full of prayer for these young people. So don't take it lightly. When you go into these brothers' homes, let me tell you, you're getting into their hearts. And as you're getting into their hearts, I promise you, because they have the experience of life, they are praying for your maturity in life. So it's not a small thing to get into these brothers' and sisters' homes. And you know what? Maybe you don't have the sense that nobody's praying for you. You can also pray this prayer. Lord, I pray that I be prayed for. How about that kind of prayer? Lord, I pray that I be prayed for, that I be brought on to maturity. Because like Jacob, you know, for him to endure that loss of his son, that was in chapter 37. But do you know what happened in chapter 35? God revealed himself in this way. It says, and he built an altar there and called the place what? El Bethel. Because there God had revealed himself to him when he fled from his brother. And look at what verse 11 says. And God said to him, I am the all-sufficient God. Be fruitful and multiply. You know what happened? God revealed himself to Jacob as the all-sufficient God. But we have to be impressed that he revealed himself as the God of El Bethel. What is that? That is the house of God. And so who are these brothers and sisters in whose homes you enter in? It is the house of God. And it is when you enter into their hearts and they start praying, you know what happens? The all-sufficient God begins to meet your need. He begins to give life to you. He begins to bring you on to maturity. So it's not a small thing to come into these brothers and sisters' homes. I hope many of you haven't been there. I hope you would just tell the person next door, I want to go with you. Don't even ask, where can we go? Just say, I want to go with you. I'm sure there's somebody that's going somewhere to someone's home. Anyway, may the Lord lead us in this process of maturity and bring us on to this, uh, into this stage. And again, with us, we just need to practice the application, enjoying calling on his name, reading his word, praying over his word, and coming into the homes of these brothers and sisters so that we can be prayed for and be brought on to maturity for the accomplishment of God's eternal purpose.